Hey guys, I'm back once again, the Fez, and today I'm with my cousin Dill, the musician, and we're going to talk about a band, the greatest of all bands, the Beatles, and we're going to talk about our top five, maybe six songs, favorite album, and who, which Beatle we think we are, or Beatles as the case may be. <laughs> but first, Dill, tell me how you got into the Beatles, and then I'll tell you how I got into the Beatles. Well, first and foremost, it's great to be back on a podcast because I've been I've been itching to be back on one. It's been so long since we've recorded one. Um, and Beatles was always the top one. I mean, I wouldn't be into Beatles if it wasn't for you. You were the one that introduced me to them. And I think... I think... The first one of the earliest members I have of the Beatles is listening to them on your like OG iPod, like your original iPod that had like the really uncomfortable earbuds from like the early 2000s that like hurt your ears after like a couple songs. The earbuds, the wired ones still hurt my ears. Just FYI. I can't wear earbuds, not not to listen to music. I need headphones or speakers. That's the only two ways I could do it. So my entry into the Beatles is, you know, in like, what was it? 2001? It was the beginning of high school. That much, I, or the beginning of junior high school, that much I remember. Mm. We, we, my family was going to Las Vegas. I didn't know we were going to a Star Trek convention. But how was I <laughs> That's but cool. My, but, you know, kids... We had these things called CD players, and I got my first CD I got for that new CD player was the Beatles one. You couldn't just stream every song you could possibly think of back then. Um, no, we also had these things called VHSs. <laughs> um, but I, I'm that, just old enough to know VHS tapes, but um, I spent that whole trip listening to the Beatles one. So just like anything else in my life, once I start listening to something and I start liking it, I have to go overboard. So mm. a lot of, you know this, a lot of my music comes from my parents, whether it be Stevie Wonder from my dad, Madonna from my mom, and all of her punk rock music degrading her country. <laughs> but we come to that the Beatles are probably my favorite musical act as a group mm. i love their solo stuff too and one day we'll probably get there you and i and we'll talk about each one of our favorite mccartney or harrison lennon even ringo yeah. songs but this is the band i think of as the best and i know my friend dennis i know you're listening dennis loves the stones more than the beatles because he even has all the bootlegs of all the concerts and everything oh really Mm -hmm. he 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 tells me young captain the stones are better <laughs> well I, I would agree from the standpoint that they're they have i'd like to hear the argument I'd, I'd like to hear his points as to uh i mean yeah they do have the longevity i mean they i remember i think in like 2020 they came out with the album they might have even come out with one since then like well, they I, consistently put out music it's crazy well, the thing is, is that like 
the Beatles were together before anybody knew them as the Beatles. So from 58 is when they started as the Quarrymen. Mm. When John met Paul and Paul brought in George and then eventually they brought in Ringo in 62. And that's when they, we, they became what we know of the as the Beatles. But some historians call them it. That's when the Beatles ended and the Fab Four started. Versus. Yeah versus them still being the Beatles. Because the Beatles were a, a nice little band for the clubs and were not recording artists. When they when they got Ringo, they became the Fab Four. They became the recording artists and the sensational act to go right. on tour. But <clears throat> let, let's roll into this. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start songs? Do you want to start favorite album? Or do you want to go into... Who is what Beatle? Let's start with the album. All right, Dilly. Your favorite album. My favorite album has always been since like high school, my favorite album has been the White Album. I don't I don't remember what caused me to listen to it. There's a few songs on it, mainly while my guitar gently weeps. Um I knew back in the USSR. But I just kind of saw that oh, I know what it was. I inherited like a bunch of records from a bunch of different people that were just getting rid of records. And I saw that one and I had like heard about the white album and I just started playing it. And I realized I liked every song that I was hearing and it quickly jumped up to be my favorite album. A lot of my favorite songs were that were on that album. A lot of my favorite songs were on that album too. Um, but that is not my favorite. My favorite happens to be rubber soul. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got into the Beatles, yes, I listened to all the number one, um, sing uh, the number one singles that were on one. But when I finally got into listening to the album songs, and actually, funny enough, my cousin Amber got me into Rubber Soul. Um, one of the my, I love the song in my life very autobiographical mm-hmm. and it's played in a lot of weddings as the mother son dance. Yeah. I just learned that. Who knew? I, I mean, that, and that was one of those songs too, where when we, uh, when we saw them live, I'm like, this is the Beatles. Like I had, I didn't even, they're, they're one of those bands where like, you can hear a million songs by them. But you don't even know it's them because they're all just radio hits. Well, that, that that's the other thing. Like, even their non-hits that were not singles could have been singles. Yeah. They have so uh, many of them. And a lot. Not as much as the White Album, because the White Album is a double album. It's got 30 songs. Yeah. But for, out of the regular albums, probably other than probably A Hard Day's Night or Help, this is the album I think I I. I could listen to five billion times and not get get tired of like mm. e- even please please me. I love I saw her standing there. I love twist and shout. I love please please me on that album. But there's a lot of very lullish songs for me that I can't like sit down and be like, yeah, I can only listen to this thing once. I yeah. can't. I can't because the way Rubber Soul and even Revolver. I would even consider them like a double album of because they're the, they're in the same time frame mm. that because yeah, they came out in the same year right 
Yeah. I know there was, was one year that came out with two albums. I, th- I thought it was those. Yeah, 65. Actually, it might have been just a couple of months after because uh, Help is 65. I think Rubber Soul 65, 66, and then Rubber Soul. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 If anything, I think Rubber Soul was probably November, December 65. Mm. So. It's just, it always blows my mind the rate that they can just pump out music. Like, and consistently good music, too. Because, like, like you just said, they would have come out with three albums in, like, maybe a year and a half span. And then you watch you watch stuff like Get Back, where it's, like, the story of how they recorded their last album, but it wasn't even the last album they recorded. Like, they just kept pumping well, out music. Everybody just assumes that Let It Be was the last album because it was the last album released. Yeah. Let It Be was the sec- the, penulti- uh, the penultimate um, album because Abbey Road was the end. Hey, pardon the pun because of the song. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but if they took longer to come out with Let It Be, then like why why would it have like the worst mix of all their albums? Well, it had the worst mix because they had Phil Spector producing it instead of George Martin. Okay. And they and they had you remember in the documentary they had this magic Alex that was doing all sorts of weird crap in yeah. the studio and even yeah. up on the rooftop. So I think that contributed to it and he was the one banging the anvil, right? And, you know, at that time, you know, the three Beatles versus Paul McCartney on the managerial side of they they all wanted different things. George wanted to be a solo artist so he could actually finally get his cut of songs because things like All Things Must Pass, which you and I have talked about, they played during the White Album sessions. Or he was strumming it at the White Album sessions during anthology. So we finally heard like All Things Must Pass was written during that time. Junk. Yeah, and then he Paul plays McCartney. it again during Get Back, too. You see him play it. Junk was written during that time. So was All Things Must uh, uh, Give Peace a Chance. That's mm. why out of all John Lennon solo songs, that is the one John Lennon solo song that's still credited as Lennon McCartney. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. But since you and I are both musicians in our own rights, Dill, which Beatle or Beatles do you think you are? Um, I'd say I probably associate most closely to George, but a little bit of Ringo too. Because with George, he's very, he always seems very hesitant to, uh, kind of display his ideas and you, you see that a lot in the documentary like like the whole time he's like oh like um like i'm not the guitarist you guys need and stuff like that like he wanted clapton to work with them on the album and he's he's usually very hesitant to show his ideas even though most of them end up being good ideas but then i also associate a little bit with ringo because he just kind of he's there like, the whole documentary, yeah, he's just there. He's not getting in anyone's way. He's just doing what he's got to get done, and that's it. And then he makes a joke here and there about how annoying everyone is with arguing. 
<laughs> well, but he just the, gets his shit done. The man is the quintessential drummer. He is the glue that holds the group together. Mm-hmm. So I thought about this a really, really long time. Longer than you've been alive. <laughs> um, but as we've come to find out, you know, when I sing, my vocal range is in the range of George and John. And I personally think, as a person, I am, funny enough, I'm a mix of John and Paul. Mm. Because at times, I can be the, the leader. Like, John basically was the de facto leader until Paul took it in the end of the Beatles. Yeah. And I think the way that I'm like Paul is like, I... I I love all those silly love songs. Love those ballads. <laughs> ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. But, you know, I think bet- between the two of them, it's probably my personality to a T. Like, mm. there there are times that I can get gruff like John, and there are times that I can be a perfectionist like Paul. Yeah. So I that's... And I know that... I know you and I choosing two each is kind of like being a cop out, but I don't think there's any, <laughs> I don't think there's any one person that can say that I'm like, definitely I'm this beetle because they're also different. Cause even, even me, I could even see a little bit of George in me where mm. I can be the quiet one, the quiet one. Yeah. And everybody loves Ring. So. Yeah. I've, I, thankfully what's what's been a nice balance with like being in the band is um i'm not nearly as much of a perfectionist as caleb is because if we're working on a song he's like like it has to be perfect or if i'm like like there's there's one song that we recorded that i'm i'm always like adding stuff to in uh, fl studio and but it'll end up being one of those things where, like, I just have to force him to, like, accept it because there's always going to be something he'll want to change. But at the end of the day, like, you got to think, like, you're just listening to it to enjoy the song. And most of the shit you're hearing, no one else is going to hear anyways. So it's like you just got to see it from the outside perspective at the end of the day. Unfortunately, as artists, whether it's me with my writing or you with your music, Mm. you will always see the cracks where you could, you want to fill the hole. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll never happen. It'll never be perfect. And and that's the one thing that I both love and I hate about being a creative person Mm. because I cannot just sit there and and act dumb to what, (laughs) what I I think of as a glaring hole. (laughs) I mean, grant you, it could be the littlest thing. But I, I just I personally can't. sometimes it drives me up the wall that yeah. I can't fix it or I or not that I can't fix it, but I want to leave it alone. So maybe a better solution will come and then a better solution doesn't come. And then I get upset with myself that I didn't fix it when I looked at it. Mm. But now. For the moment, we've all been waiting for let do you have an honorable mention before we get on to the top five? I don't have a mention for song. Yep. 
Um, I think an honorable mention would be Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where her wedding has been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window, wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. Where do they all belong? Because I do really love that song, but my top five. I love evil. So my honorable mention is something that you and I have done work on. And it is free as a bird. Mm. Because it, that's a good one. As much as I love real love and it's to me, it's not necessarily a Beatles song. It's a John Lennon song that the rest of the Beatles play on. Versus Free as a Bird, it was more of a collaboration. Paul and George wrote lyrics. They all came up with their own little flourishes, whether it was Paul on bass, George with his guitar, and the percussion by by Ringo. Mm. And and you had John's words and John's piano playing in that song. So, like, to me, that is up till now, because Now and Then is coming, Mm. is the last Beatles song. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Now and Then is supposedly coming out this year in the fall. What do you think? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed back. I also, do we have any idea how long they've been working on it? I feel like this must be something I feel like they've been waiting for the right technology to do. I feel like they've probably been planning on this for a very long time. Well, every chance that Paul McCartney has gotten since 1994 when we thought that we were getting three singles for Anthology has been talking about this song. Really? The only other song that, you know, people had thought was this uh, song called Carnival of Light, which was like an instrumental, kind of like flying from Magical Mystery Tour, but it Mm. was like this avant-garde like no no sensical musical piece Mm. but paul mccartney has been uh because i read an article that paul has been talking about this steadily almost every 10 years oh wow okay not not necessarily naming the song but he said there's one last good song that that we're going to release and I get, I guess now we have the technology because I've heard some of the, uh, and I think I've sent you the the stuff of mm. now and then where it's just John on the piano and it's got this, I think it's a, a TV hum that's in the background. Mm. And now is has Ringo been as equally involved with him? Because I know Ringo had some involvement with the Beatles rock band. Because I know that was a pretty big deal when they ended up doing it, but I don't, has has he had as much, um, I guess, like commitment to this as Paul has? I don't really think so, but only because that I think that Paul got him to play drums or percussion on now and then or whatever. I'm pretty sure that it's now and then, but um, 
he got Ringo to play on it, but Ringo, I don't think, has had much involvement. And to give a little backstory on Now and Then, Now and Then was one of the three songs that Yoko gave uh, Paul a cassette of that said for Paul. Free as a bird. Oh, okay. Free as a bird, uh, Real Love, and Now and Then. Now and Then was actually worked on during Anthology, but, you know, George and either a sarcastic or a jokingly tone said that this is rubbish. <laughs> Probably because they weren't able to clean up the recording enough where they could figure out what they could contribute and separate like the piano, John's voice and whatever the hum or hiss was. Yeah. So now grant you that the big controversy with, this song coming out is that you know Paul said that it was going to use AI, and yeah, you, you, I like I don't like the idea of AI like tre- teaching AI to to do Paul McCartney's vocals or John Lennon's vocals and then putting in the lyrics for them to sing, but I do like the idea of separating each element from a tape and say adding on to it like hey john john laid this track down in the studio and we're just gonna it's just like that type of how the abbey road went on most of the time john was not there in the studio so they worked on whatever that is they worked on whether it was maxwell silver hammer you never give me your money or here comes the Mm. sun and they la- laid down the track and John would come in later or John laid something down and then they would add their respective things. So it's still like, hey, John John and George are still here, which is another thing that you know, they're good. George did lay down guitar parts. Yeah. So it's not like George's contribution is not there. It'll all be there. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. Um. I know that the lyrics are not, at least from what the uh, original was. I I think that it's a, I think it's a good song. I just don't think it's like a very upbeat song. I think it's a one of loss, mm. something that you know the Beatles touched on, but they didn't really touch on. And it's going to, I feel like it's going to be, once we hear it, it'll be more poignant that John and George are not there. Yeah, and not only that, but it's like, this is like officially their final song. Like, Paul and Ringo are old guys now. Like, this is the last thing that they are essentially releasing as a group ever. Like, at because, like, to me, that's that's a pretty big deal. Not just for the band, but just, like, for music as a whole. Because it's, like, of course, they've done stuff, like, anthology-wise and stuff like that. But it's, like, if you think of the grand scheme of things, like, it has been... I can't do the math right now, but it's, like, their last album came out however many decades ago. And now they're putting out their final song ever. Like, it's 50, a pretty big deal. 53 years still since since Let It Be. Yeah. If you want if you want to go last studio album. Now their last album album, like they remixed everything and not just remastered. Beatles Love came out in the, uh, 2011. Something like that. I I 
I very much enjoy Beatles Love. I like that album a lot. I love what they did with Here Comes the Sun. <laughs> with that, I love, I love, I love how the album opens with the that drum fill. They just keep it hanging, and then the guitar comes in. Mm-hmm. I love the start of that album. Well, it, it's funny that you know it's the beginning starts with the end because that is yeah. Ringo's drum solo, and those are the guitar solos from the end. Hmm. And it's no. act, it's, it starts starts with the 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 bang from uh, a hard day's night, and then it goes into the drum solo and then the guitar solo. That's right. That's right. Which is awesome. Now, and was Paul like closely working on that when it happened? Like, was he a main and driving force of that? Giles Martin, George Mar- George Martin's son, was producing Ringo and Paul, and I think Yoko and Olivia. Were a part yeah. of it, but I don't I think I remember not, hearing that. I don't I know remember. they were at least um on the production for Beatles Rock Band. I know uh, all of them participated a little bit in that. I kn- I know that Paul and Ringo were in the mixing sessions for love. I just not sure what the the level of to what capacity that Olivia and uh Yoko are mm. or, or if they were, or maybe they're just named, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dilly. Numero Cinco on your list. Uh, Cinco has to be Here Comes the Sun. I think it's easily one of the first songs I heard by them that I could like recite. Like ev- Everyone knows that song. That's easily one of the most popular songs. But when I got my first iPod in, I want to say, second or third grade, I just had an iPod shuffle. Literally no screen. Literally, it was like a one, like one square inch thing that it just had play, pause, skip, and volume. That was it. No screen, nothing. It was just on shuffle, and that was one of my favorite songs that would come on. I'd listen to that on the bus all the time. So here comes the sun's an easy number five for me. Not that I think that this song is a number five by any means, because you know it's probably one of my favorite songs of all time. A day in the life. Dub the mic on the piano quite low, just keeping it like maracas, you know. You know those old cameras. Okay, wrong. Sugar plum fairy, sugar plum fairy. Face before. 
Yes. And I've loved this song for such a long time. That is one of the, the songs that, you know, I could be driving, know nothing on in the car, and I could I could be thinking about the song or singing the song. And what I love most about this song personally is how the song is broken up into basically three parts. You got the intro yeah. with John then the Paul Little interlude, and then the John ending. Um, and that was their whole idea for the song, right? It started out as two songs. I'm like, why don't we just make it one? Yeah. And, and what I loved about the anthology version is the count-in with John going, dub the mic on the piano quite low, just keeping it like maracas, you know. You know, the cameras. <laughs> and then the strum of the guitar, and then sugar plum fairy, sugar plum fairy. And then you hear the 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 guitar to start it off. I uh, forgot. I, I forgot about the sugar plum fairy. I I love. I you know me. I I am a sucker for an acoustic song. Uh. All right, Dilly. Numero cuatro. Cuatro is Hey Jude. Hey Jude, don't be afraid. You were made to. think one of the first songs with them that i really tried learning all the lyrics to um because i've always I'm, i've always been a sucker for ballads and i think that's it's definitely one of their most popular ballads but it's uh it's it's a very emotional song you know what seeing as you know the listeners out there know that we're from connecticut i actually read something that that hey jude is the second most popular beatles song or most played beatles song really and number one in Connecticut is All You Need Is Love. Wow. Actually, yeah, because they play that. Isn't there like a. There's like a uh, a sports team that uses that song a lot. I, I can't think of what it is, but the, like there's something that uses that song all the time. I can't think of what it is right now. Me neither. Um but my number four is your number five. Here comes the sun. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. And I say, it's all right. Little darling, it feels like you 
I, I, I absolutely adore both versions, whether it's the Abbey Road version or the, you know, the love version. I remember uh, it's one of the it's one of the songs that I had I had sung to Alexis, Preston, and even uh, McKen- uh, McKenna when they were babies. Mm. So it's an easily singable song. Um, and it's you're right. It's just one of the few songs that everybody freaking knows. They might not know it's the Beatles. Yeah. But it's it's you know, it's a song that everybody knows. And it's yeah, and like it's, to your point a, too, like it's kinda like a lullaby. Like <laughs> it's a very relaxing song to listen to. I mean, a lot of the songs that I like from the Beatles could easily be lullabies. Mm. I mean, I, I'll get into this now. I only have one number one song in my top five. Because, because like all the because there's so many good songs that you can't even some of the number one songs that are on the number one list you know are surpassed by certain songs yeah so all right Dilly, i'm actually gonna head into my number three since you already talked about my number three which is hey jude <laughs> so, i like that some of our picks are the same that's cool well, we're cousins, Dill. And it makes got, sense. And, and I got you into the Beatles. Yeah, it makes sense. But uh, Hey Jude is a song that I think encapsulates my life, quite honestly. And, you know, it's funny that I was thinking about this the other day when I was working at after school and we would sometimes, us counselors, get together and go to like senior ponchos down the street in New Haven, even though that doesn't exist anymore, or Delaney's or whatever. Almost every time that I would walk into wherever it is, Hey Jude would be playing. <laughs> and uh, my friend Jess, who lives down in Florida now, is the one who's like, Jamie always comes in during a Beatles song. And she didn't even realize <laughs> it was the same Beatles song all the time. But That's um, funny. Hey Jude is 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 symbolic to me only because you're talking about somebody who's getting counsel from a friend family member or or a lover saying hey hey man don't don't get down take this uh opportunity and make it better yeah and any anybody who's anybody has had at least one person or a bunch of people do that in their lives and i've had a bunch of people do that in my life and and the fact that it's, you know, a J name. Got <laughs> J name. Yeah. But the thing, the beginning before the na 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 na's, I think those verses impact me more than the than the the rising like confidence boost of the the crescendo. Hey. Yeah. All right, Dilly. Numero trace. Trace, this is where we're going to start getting into uh, the White Album. Um, Trace is I'm So Tired. I'm so tired I haven't slept a wink I'm so tired My mind is on the blink I wonder should I get up and 
fix myself a drink No, no, no I'm so Me too. This was <laughs> really no. I'm so tired. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I figured you were going for the joke, but I was like, <laughs> maybe he did pick that song. But this was one of the songs. Like when I was first listening to this on the record, like I heard the song. It was my first time hearing it, and I picked the needle up and I dropped it right back down. I was like, I gotta hear that again. That's such an awesome song. Well, it was one of those songs where, like, I think a lot of the songs on that album. They do a lot of switch-ups where it goes from low energy to high energy really quickly. And that's, like, one of my favorite things that they do. Well, the thing is, with the, the White Album, you, just did, you got so many different styles of music in the album. Yeah. You've got the ridiculousness of Piggies. You've got the, the grunge rock before grunge rock and Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. You've got... Um, the almost lullaby quality to um, Good Night. Uh, you have the very whimsical side of, you know, Rocky Raccoon. Yeah. And, and of course, you've got the, the I guess it's melodramatic, is the way I, I would call it, for both Happiness is a Warm Gun and I'm So Tired. Mm-hmm. So it's never, it's never one. So by the time you're at the end of the song, you got something else to deal with and, yeah. and it's a different energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that your number two is a white album pick as well. So it is. <laughs> what's your number two? So number two is why don't we do it in the road? Why don't we do it in the road? It's a very simple song, but from from what my ears have gathered, it's Paul's highest note that he hits in any song. And I've I've always been fascinated by his vocal range because with each album, he like every album it just keeps getting better. And I just remember being like shocked by the high note that he hits in this song because he just ha- he hits a crazy scream out of nowhere. And it's like almost impossible to emulate because I've seen like a bunch of covers of the song too. And a lot of people like it's actually a really hard note to hit. And I just think it's a good display of his vocal range. Well, I'm going to go to the White Album with my numero dos. You want to take a guess at what it is? Um, While my guitar gently weeps. It is not, although I did think about it. Really? What is it? Dear Prudence.
Okay. I can see that. Well, I've always told you, I am a sucker for the acoustic guitar. And mm. I am a sucker for those nice lyrics and nice flow. And that song has just has a nice flow. And as much as I love Back in the USSR, which leads into that song, especially if you're listening to the White Album, I just... It just fills me with a certain giddiness that you hear that 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 twangy acoustic slash electric guitar because I'm pretty sure it's an acoustic, but you know I I just I just love the the overall beat of it and just the it's just the good wishes and the I don't know if people know this but that song was written for one of the people who was down in India with the Beatles. Um, oh, okay. I mean, that's what inspired most of that album, right? A lot of it, it. Pretty it, much it, all of it. A, a lot of the songs from the White Album, the White Album sessions was from their little getaway to, with, with a Maharishi Maharesh. Mm. You know, like Sexy Sadie is actually about the Maharishi being a uh, adulterer and whatnot. <laughs> But uh, Dear Prudence was written for Prudence. It was one of one of the uh, one of the people there had a sister named Prudence, and that that person was a famous actress. I think. I feel like I remember hearing about that. Now that you mentioned it, I can't remember her name right now, and honestly, it doesn't matter at this point. But I love I there. The song is basically them outside. If, and if you watch Across the Universe, and I know you have, Dill, mm-hmm. it's literally that. People outside the door, hey, Prudence, won't you come out to play? That, <laughs> that's, that's how that they were, they were trying to get this, this girl to come out of her room. Yeah. I just love that song. And I'm assuming you're still staying with the White Album for number one. I'm actually not. Ooh, I, I'm I'm tickled pink. So this song is one I actually got Garrett into recently. We were so we drove up to Boston last weekend for Boston Fan Expo, and I think I showed him the song a couple weeks ago. But then he queued it up, and he was like, "Dude, I've been obsessed with this song," and it's my favorite because it has my favorite harmonies that they do, and the song just kind of repeats itself in a good way. Uh, this is two of us off of Let It Be. Also one of my favorites. I love this song. Still not my number one. But my uh, my number one comes off my album, Rubber Soul. Mm-hmm. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Norwegian Wood, This Bird Has Flown. Yep. Yep. 
say she wanted me. She showed me her room, isn't it good? Norwegian room. She asked me to stay and she told me to sit anywhere. So I looked around and I noticed there wasn't a chair. <laughs> I knew I, that was going to be it. I, I love the simplicity of the song. Uh, forget the lyrics. Because, uh, you know, who wants to hear about sleeping in somebody's uh, bathtub? And basically, <laughs> that song was written uh, by John being clever about an affair he was having at the time. Mm. Um, but I like the calm mellowness of that whole entire the musical arrangement with the bass, the acoustic guitar, the sitar. And I'm pretty sure that there's not very, if there is any percussion in it, I'm pretty sure there isn't, but it might be very, very uh, limited. But yeah, that, it might be like a shaker or something. At If you took away the, the lyrics, which I have done several times, it's one of those songs where y- you could put somebody to sleep with that, that melody. In fact, I yeah. have fallen asleep to that melody. Mm hmm. I, I, I love that song. I mean I remember how excited you were when I learned the the riff for it a while back. I know. That is <laughs> it's such a good riff. You you becoming a musician is my proudest accomplishment. Other than <laughs> uh, sorry sorry dear until I get married. Yeah. But uh, our journey, you and I, when it comes to music or even TV shows and movies. You and I have been on a parallel course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and I know when I finally get to see you in person, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and we dance with shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe maybe I'll get invited up. For it, it's it sucks because Caleb is in avid um like disenjoyer of the beatles like he does not like the beatles so he kind of refuses to do any beatles covers but typically he's said that about other bands too like he doesn't like coldplay but i've i've convinced him to do three different coldplay songs at certain points you you know we could just get him to do either a paul mccartney song or a john lennon song technically it's not the beatles this is very true and my favorite Paul McCartney song would be um, Uncle Albert. I love that song. Uncle Albert. I, that's another one I got Garrett hooked on to, too. He adores that song. That That is a subject for another day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, made a, I made a joke. Another day is a Paul McCartney song. <laughs> <laughs> but... The next Beatles thing I want to do, and we've been talking about this for a year since this thing came out. Mm-hmm. We are going to get Garrett. We're going to get somebody else, maybe, hopefully. And we're going to talk about Get Back. Mm-hmm. Because what, what, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit here before, you know, we, we close this one out. But Get Back is the biggest Beatles thing that has come out during your lifetime. Yeah, in in my opinion, in my in my lifetime was probably first anthology, then this. Mm-hmm. 
So, this is the first time we have ever seen the inside workings of what a jam session would have been like with the Beatles. Yeah. And we get and I think see, you you go first, Dilly. I was gonna say I think what's even more important about it is that Peter Jackson essentially rewrote history because he revealed a different telling of the story from what everyone either assumed or had heard because of the movie that came out so many years ago. And he even changed how Paul McCartney and Ringo remembered that time. Well, especially because... Because he revealed the truth behind the whole thing. Well, especially because, you know, what they remembered was what was what was shown in the actual film, which I don't know yeah. if you know this, but but George is the one who got it pulled from everywhere. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And what I thought was most interesting, and, you know, we'll get into the, the specifics when we get there. Also, we need to do Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then that Ahsoka. we do. And Ahsoka, because that that uh, ends right before my wedding. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the week. Uh, that's going to be perfect. I don't even know if I'm going away yet, but but I, two two episodes on your birthday. I know two two episodes air on my birthday. I can't even believe that. <laughs> but, it's like we got to wake up early. I was like, no, you're waiting. We're going to I'm not waking up early. I'm sleeping in. yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies somebody calls you you answer quite slowly a girl with kaleidoscope that is another episode of the fest talks podcast make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever it is that you're listening to and to take us out is of the version of free as a bird that dylan and i did so check it out
ever happened to The life that we once knew Can we really live without each other? When did we lose the touch? It seemed to mean so much It always made me feel Turn up, love. 